You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com. Good morning, everyone. It is great to have you join us uh, on this beautiful Easter morning. My name is Nick. I'm the lead pastor. Uh, We're so blessed that you took time this morning to be here or for those watching online. So blessed to have you with us. Before we jump in to uh, our Easter message today, I just want to mention one quick thing. Next Sunday, we have a special guest I'm going to be interviewing right here on the platform. His name is Brian Headwelch. He's one of the founding members of the band Corn. They kind of hit uh, their peak in the late 90s and it's an incredible uh, band. And Brian has this amazing story of uh, a journey, being the rock star that he dreamed of being and, and finding Christ and seeing the life that changed uh, so drastically from that. So I invite you to join us next Sunday at 1030. We'll just have one service next Sunday at 1030. And uh, it's gonna be an awesome morning and I can't wait for you to hear his story and what happened in his life. And uh, uh, so blessed to have all all of you joining us today. You know, on Tuesday, March 20th, 1928, uh, a baby boy was born to a young couple. The, the dad was the president of a local bricklayers association. The mom, she loved knitting sweaters for local soldiers in their small western Pennsylvania town. This young boy was an only child for, for most, much of his life, up until he was 11 years old, when his parents adopted his sister. And while he was blessed with wonderful parents, he had an incredibly difficult childhood. He was overweight, shy, very sheltered. On top of that, he suffered from severe asthma, uh, scarlet fever, and about every other imaginable childhood disease. Uh, All of this made it really difficult for him to fit in at school. Uh, Later in life, he would share that during this time, he felt like he had absolutely no friends. In fact, one time, as he was walking home from school, a group of boys began following him. As he took the, the walk about 11 blocks from his school to his house, They started taunting him and eventually started chasing him. As they started chasing him, they started calling him names. They were yelling, we're gonna get you, we're gonna get you, Fat Freddy. This would become an incredibly dark time in his life. Somehow this young man had found himself born into a family that loved him, but living in a world that absolutely hated him. And for most of his elementary years, he would be called names, bullied, and mistreated by many of his classmates. Because of this, a good portion of his childhood would be spent sitting alone, weeping with a deep sense of loneliness. Now, now, these kinds of painful experiences would break or at least deeply wound most children. These these are circumstances that would cause any parent to be worried about what their child one day is going to become. The, The trauma from this kind of treatment could take a lifetime to recover from. Fortunately, though, as this young man became a teenager, something unique took place. In high school, he would make a friend, and his name was Jim. Jim was on the football team of their high school. And one particular week, um, Jim, who was much more popular, was uh, playing football, and he hurt himself, injured himself, and had to go into the hospital. And his much less popular friend decided to go visit him in the hospital. As he was visiting the hospital, brought him his homework, and and was there talking to him. And and this this incredibly kind gesture, uh, because of this, Jim took his outcast friend under his wing, and, and he ensured that his high school years would be much more calm than his elementary years had been. And thanks to his new friend and a better outlook, his life started to turn around for the better. After graduating high school, he went on to college, graduated with a degree in musical composition. Following college, he would take his first baby steps into a new fledgling field of television. This young man, who had been handed so much pain, had so many reasons to give up on life, would overcome the darkness of his past and actually bring glimmers of hope to the world around him. 
Today, many of you might recognize this man as Mr. Fred Rogers, the pride of Westmoreland County and more specifically Latrobe. There you go. <laughs> Mr. Rogers would spend the rest of his life doing what should never have been possible. Not only did he overcome a painful childhood, but he pioneered an approach to children's television that most said couldn't happen. He taught kids to make good choices, to be honest about their emotions, to respect others. These, these, are, these are messages you would normally hear maybe in church or from a children's counselor. But he defied the common belief that children's programming needed to be slapstick, goofy child's play aimed simply at entertaining children. Most people who don't know the story of Mr. Rogers' childhood assume he became this amazing person that he's known to be because he had the perfect life. He had the perfect childhood. But as David Newell, who played Mr. McFeely in Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, would later explain, if there hadn't been a fat Freddy, there would never have been a Mr. Rogers. And it wasn't simply the pain of Mr. Rogers' past that shaped him, because most of us have experienced pain at some point in our past. It was the hope he experienced in the midst of the pain. And this is a simple thought that I want to share with you in our time together this morning. It's this, that hope becomes a light that redefines our darkness. Hope becomes a light that redefines our darkness. For, for many of us today, while it's Easter Sunday and we're trying to put our best foot forward here in church, the truth is we've all experienced some really incredibly dark circumstances. Many, many of us have walked through seasons of confusion, uncertainty, even frustration. And we've experienced pain, sorrow, and setbacks that we would never have dreamt would be happening to us. Sometimes this is because of our own poor choices. Sometimes it's because of the poor choices of others. And other times... It's because of circumstances that we can't even explain. And the truth is, our response to these moments will directly shape and define what our lives one day become. Now, if you've ever walked down a dark hallway or into a dark room, you know that the natural human response to darkness is to be more cautious or careful. Because it's hard to see what's in front of you when it's dark, right? Uh, darkness brings uncertainty, fear, anxiety, even apprehension. For parents that are here, there's nothing worse than walking confidently into a dark room only to discover your kids have spread Legos all over the floor. You do that once and you learn never to walk confidently into a dark room again, right? Uh, and, the, and, the, and, and the deal is it's even worse when it's not a bar, dark room of, of Legos. But if it's a dark room of, of unemployment or divorce or abuse or rejection, this might sound really oversimplified but the only thing that can overcome darkness is light. And the light switch in our darkest moments of life have, has always been, and it will always be hope. And hope, hope becomes a light that redefines our darkness. 2,000 years ago, a young man faced one of the darkest days of his life. It was a day that nearly broke him. He had made some mistakes that he anticipated spending the rest of his life regretting. But just as he was trying to fumble his way through his own darkness, light and hope started to shine through. It was the Jewish feast of Passover, and this Jewish rabbi named Jesus had gathered his disciples together around a table in an upstairs room in downtown Jerusalem to celebrate this holiday. This was a special holiday for Jews, and, and most Jews across Jerusalem would have been doing something very similar. Little did this group know, though, this, this gathering would be their last time to celebrate Passover in this way. In, in fact, this dinner, this meal of Passover would later become known as the Last Supper. It's because following this very special moment, Jesus would take some of his disciples up to the Mount of Olives to pray. He would soon be arrested and taken to the home of the Jewish high priest Caiaphas to endure one of the most unjust trials in human history. 
Now, if you're wondering, like, why would they take him to the home of the high priest to put him on trial? Why not, like, to the house of a judge or to a king? It was because the Romans, who ruled Israel at that time, allowed the high priest and the Jewish religious leaders uh, to, to roll over and police uh, the, their own people regarding religious matters. And, and, and this uh, whole trial was done under the cover of darkness at the high priest's home, so they wouldn't bring too much attention to the dishonesty and the trickery that was about to unfold. Now, Jesus would soon have false witnesses ushered before him, accusing him of religious crimes he had never committed. This was all part of the Jewish leader's goal of eliminating the influence Jesus was having all over this region by getting him imprisoned, or even better for them, killed. And as this is happening, Jesus faced, as he's facing the greatest opposition he's ever faced in his life, his disciples all abandoned him. They left him. That was everyone except one of his closest disciples, Peter. Peter had followed closely behind uh, this group and Jesus. And, and he found himself in the, in the courtyard outside the home of the high priest, Caiaphas, because he was curious. He wanted to see what was going to happen. Uh, as he's curious and, and he's trying to see what's going to transpire, uh, People, other, a few different people who were there began to recognize him. He, he had followed Jesus. He had been with Jesus. They started to recognize him as one of Jesus' disciples. And as one of the closest disciples to Jesus, his response to people recognizing him was a little bit surprising. Here's what's recorded in Luke chapter 22 and verse 56. It says, a servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him, meaning Jesus. But he denied it. He said, woman, I don't know him. He said, a little later, someone else saw him and said, you are also one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him for he is a Galilean. They recognized his accent. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Now, we can easily pick Peter's actions apart here, but I'm sure at the moment his decisions made complete sense to him, which after all, isn't that true of many of the regretful decisions we make, like they make sense in the moment. Although Peter knew Jesus was the Messiah and that Jesus cared so much for him, Peter doesn't want to be associated with Jesus for fear he might get arrested as well. After all, this was an act of self-preservation. But after Peter denied any connection to Jesus for a third time, something happened that, that, that Jesus told Peter was going to happen. A rooster crowed. This fulfilled this prediction Jesus had made earlier in the day when he told Peter that he was going to deny him three times before the rooster crowed. The weight of this moment had to have been so heavy on Peter's heart. Listen to how Luke records this painful moment in Luke 22, verse 60. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. Listen to this. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. They locked eyes. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Now put yourself in this moment in Peter's shoes. This man named Jesus had transformed his life. Jesus saw something in Peter that very few people had ever seen before. He had helped Peter grow in ways that Peter never even imagined were possible. And now at the moment Jesus needed him the most, Peter denies he even knows him. And if you know this story from this moment on, things started to unravel really quickly. Jesus would be beaten, then sent to the Roman official Pilate. He would eventually be sentenced to one of the worst of all Roman punishments, crucifixion. In less than 24 hours, Peter would go from abandoning Jesus 
In his, in his massively painful moment, so most likely watching from a distance, Jesus die an excruciating death upon the cross outside the city limits of Jerusalem. The disappointment, the regret, the sorrow Peter experienced had to have been overwhelming for him. He wasn't given a chance to right this wrong that he had done to Jesus before he died. And the moment Jesus breathed his last must have been one of the darkest moments in Peter's entire life. His closest friend, his rabbi, the Messiah, was now dead and there was nothing he could do about it. When disappointment hits us hard like it did for Peter here, it so often takes us down this spiral of discouragement. We ask all of the what-if questions, trying to figure out how things could have gone differently. Maybe you've been there before, when a relationship falls apart or you get laid off at work or, or this future that you've been pursuing for so long starts to slip from your grasp. We all respond differently to disappointment. But the basic human response to disappointment almost always leads us down this dark path of regret. It takes us to a place where our focus is on what could have been, what should have been, or how things could have maybe been handled a little differently. And sometimes we're disappointed in ourselves, sometimes we're disappointed in others, and still other times we're angry at God that he would even let us experience pain like this. I don't know if I'm the only one who's walked through this before, but expressing and experiencing disappointment is a very human thing. It's a very normal human response. Disappointment isn't wrong and it's not evil, but it's part of what makes us human beings. And in fact, different from any other part of God's creation, we have the ability to reason, to process the full weight of our decisions and our experiences. And that unique human ability can be both a blessing and a curse. We are blessed to have the ability to learn from and adapt from our past, but we also have the ability to dwell on and bury ourselves in that same past. Now, we don't have a record of what the next couple days looked like for Peter, but I can only imagine the heaviness that must have been on his heart and he'd been experiencing, the darkness present in his soul as he remembered how he had abandoned this one person who was a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Then on the third day, Something happened that no one, no one had expected. Mary Magdalene, who had been one of the more faithful followers of Jesus, she's going to the tomb to put spices on Jesus' body. Now, this was a really normal thing, a common practice. Uh, the spices helped to reduce the odor of a decomposing body. And she arrived at the tomb. Things did not go as planned. In John's gospel, John chapter 20, verse one, we, we read what took place. Early on the first day of the week, this would have been the third day after Christ's crucifixion, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one who Jesus loved, which would have been the apostle John, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where, we don't know where they've put him. In Luke's gospel, we're given a more detailed description of Peter's response to the news of an empty tomb shared by Mary and, these, and the other women that were with her. Luke 24, verse 11, here's what it says. But the 11 disciples did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, he got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Now, why do you think Peter got up and ran in this moment? Why would he run to the tomb? It wasn't his disappointment that was driving him, he was about to experience the only antidote to our disappointments and our regrets. It's something we call hope. 
You see, in the darkest moments, in the worst situations, when everything is stacked against us and our heads hang low, the only thing that keeps us going, the only thing that helps us overcome our painful situations is hope. Without hope, all we see is darkness. And hope becomes a light that redefines our darkness. The moment that truly changed Peter's life, I would argue, wasn't the moment that Jesus asked Peter to be one of his disciples or called him to be one of his disciples. I would argue the moment that changed Peter's life was the moment that he saw a resurrected Jesus. Because in that moment, sure, Jesus had overcome sin, death, and the grave. But more personally for Peter, Christ's resurrection overcame Peter's disappointment, his regret and his mistakes. And this is what's remarkable about Easter Sunday. Not that we get to come together for church today, not that we get to sing these nice songs together, but it's an important reminder, a reminder that we easily forget. A reminder that Jesus rose again and he overcame your disappointments, your regrets, and your mistakes. Jesus didn't just do that for Peter, but he does it for you. In the darkest moments, in the moments when it feels like the whole world is caving in on you, like you can't do anything right, when it feels like everything is against you, there is this one that is fighting for you and he's given his very life for you. You see, Jesus, he didn't die to establish some religion. He didn't die and rise again so we can just have a holiday or we hide eggs and exchange gifts. No, Jesus died so that you could have hope. Jesus died so that on your darkest Fridays, you can know that the dawn is rising on Easter morning. His light shines the brightest in your darkest moments. And I don't know what brought you to church today. I don't know if you come here every week or or every Easter. Maybe this is your first time here. But I believe deeply that God has orchestrated the circumstances of your life to bring you here today to hear the simple thought, the simple idea that God is for you and that God loves you so deeply. And no matter what you faced, no matter what you are facing right now, there is hope. No matter how dark your life might be right now, no matter how dark your life may have been in your past, Jesus has never and he will never give up on you. Just look at Peter's story. This man who had literally given up on Jesus in in Jesus' most difficult moment. After all that happened, Jesus still didn't give up on Peter. Jesus still loved Peter enough to go to the cross, die a painful death, and then walk out of that grave alive and well, ultimately conquering Peter's mistakes. Later in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul would write a pretty bold statement in his letter to the Roman church about what Christ's death and resurrection means for us today. Here's what he writes in Romans 8:37. He wrote, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are more than conquerors. We overcome because of the one who loved us. I don't know what you're facing today. I do know, though, the one that can face it with you. His name is Jesus. We are able to celebrate Easter today because of the one that walked into your darkness, ultimately to bring light, the one that so desperately longs for you to know the eternal hope that only he can bring. You may be confused, uncertain, or lost in the darkness of your life, in your past, but remember, hope becomes a light that redefines our darkness. And today, on this Easter morning, Jesus isn't just some religious figure. He's not just some prophet. He is the embodiment of hope. He went to the most impossible depths possible so that you could find life 
so you could find his love, so you could experience his forgiveness, so you could find hope in the middle of your darkness. And we're gonna sing a song here in a minute. Before we do that, I, I don't wanna just you know, rush through Easter so we can get to our family gatherings and parties and, and do all the fun stuff today. That's good without missing this opportunity to recognize and identify what's in front of you. Not me, but there's an amazing opportunity to say, you know what? That hope is shining and piercing the darkness of my life. I can live my life in the context of it. I can live my life in a way that, that fulfills God's purpose for my life, that, that he has not given up on me. And I don't wanna give up on him. If you could bow your heads with me this morning as we pray, Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for your faithfulness and your goodness. Jesus, I ask you right now, for those that are watching online, those that are here in person, that Holy Spirit, you are working on their heart, Lord. They're walking through so much darkness and pain and difficulty. God, let them see the God that loves them, that hasn't given up on them, the God that is fighting for them, Lord, the God that deeply cares about them. As your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed, you're continuing to pray. If you're here today and you've never taken the step to one, accept the forgiveness of Jesus, and two, to commit to follow his purposes. Not your purposes, not the things that you're trying for, but the things that you were made for, the things that your creator put within you, the purpose that God put you on this earth for. If you've never accepted his forgiveness of your mistakes and your past and committed to live for his purposes, today I wanna give you an opportunity to, to make that conscious effort, to begin a journey that could change the rest of your life, a journey that could change the trajectory of your family, a journey that could change the legacy you live in your life as you welcome Jesus and his purpose into your life. If that's you this morning, I'm gonna to count to three. I'm just gonna ask you to reach your hand toward heaven and then we're gonna pray. One, two, three. Jesus, reach your hand toward heaven this morning. Amen. Anyone else today? You can put your hands down. And I'm gonna ask everyone to pray this prayer with me. Whether you raised your hand or not and whether you've prayed this prayer before or not, my hope is that you could pray this from your heart, not just reciting some empty words. Because this is what prayer is, what I wanna lead you in. It's just a conversation with God. And I hope is this is the first of many conversations you have with him. Would you all pray this prayer with me together? Dear God, thank you for loving me where I am. In the midst of my pain, in the midst of my struggles, in the midst of my confusion, thank you for bringing truth and hope. Today, I accept your forgiveness. I commit to live for your purposes. Give me the strength and the courage to follow you all the days of my life and to show your love to the world around me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Would you stand with me this morning? If you prayed that prayer, whether you're here in person or online, I encourage you to stop by the Connection Center or you can go to connect.calvaryirwin.com and click committing your life to Jesus. And we wanna give you some resources. Not that you make one decision and everything's awesome, but that you continue this journey. And we wanna help you and equip you to, to, to pursue that journey. Before we go, we wanna close with one final song this morning. God is doing some great things. And this is an opportunity to turn our faces toward heaven to say, God, thank you for what you have provided. Thank you for your amazing grace in my life. Let's sing this song together this morning. This is Pastor Nick Pohl, the lead pastor at Calvary. We're so glad you joined us for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. 
At Calvary Church, we're passionate about leading people into an overflowing life with Jesus. We would love the opportunity to connect with you on your faith journey and hear what God is doing in your life or join you in prayer for any needs you might have. You can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com or send us an email at info at calvaryirwin.com. On our website, you'll find previous week's messages, a list of upcoming events, as well as resources designed to help you take those next steps on your journey of faith. See you next week, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. 